Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for coming, for gathering today. So, yeah, I'd like to chat today. Um, let me look again at the, the title here. So the title today, Freedom Through Understanding the Experience of Silent Wisdom. Freedom Through Understanding the Experience of Silent Wisdom. Um, yeah, so as I was <clears throat> kind of going through and seeing what to, what to, to talk about today along those lines... I realized that uh, the Dharma is, you know, at the at the core of Dharma. The core of Dharma is very simple, um, and this this um, this experience, the kind of the how to, the how to experience silent wisdom, is quite simple. <clears throat> And I heard a Dharma teacher recently, he was talking about, he's, he's taught for a long time, and he's talking about sharing the same Dharma talk over and over again. And that he didn't care, <laughs> that he was passionately like saying the same Dharma talk over and, and over again. And and, you know, in, in a way, there's like one Dharma talk, you know, it's like one, <laughs> one, one Dharma talk, and we just say things in, in different ways. And so I was kind of going through Lama Zopa, Lama Yeshi, they have these really beautiful kind of uh, books on just laying out the elements of the path very beautifully. But as I was going through that, I recognized that more front and center like in in my practice and and what I see um, in, in other people's practices is the obstacles to actually doing it like we know the Dharma but <clears throat> we don't necessarily do it and we don't do it as as um, as we would as we would like to or as much as we would like to and whatnot so I thought it would be more beneficial to actually chat about some obstacles. <clears throat> and, and the list that I'm going to talk about is just something that I came up with and what I see in my own self and, like I said, with others as well. And, of course, we have time to kind of share what, what uh, obstacles come up for us, uh, for, for everyone, and be able to share those. And so, Don, if you don't mind, just um, go ahead and, and put up the, um, the first one, intention. Intention is obscured. Yeah, we can do one at a time. And as I go through them, you could just go ahead and upload them. So Don is going to just put in the chat box as we go along. I like this feature to be able to like put in the notes. <laughs> it's kind of easy to follow along. I feel it's easier. 
so um yeah our intention is our intention is obscured it is our intention to see the mind's true nature oh is it our intention to see the mind's true nature or to experience a sense object so overall we have this strong intention you know to reach enlightenment for the benefit of all beings to see truth um, to see our true nature to see um, our true mind and yet moment to moment we have this decision to make are we really looking for a sense object uh, to to experience or are we wishing to experience the true nature of mind so moment to moment we have to make this this decision and being that the mind is constantly grasping to sense objects it's very difficult to to actually take a step back into that perceiver moment to moment and so i see this as as a big as a big obstacle um, because of that kind of, you know addiction to the the external world um, it might be very difficult. Sorry, my dog is here and he's just looking at something. I don't know what. Come here, baby. <laughs> um, he's just like right in my face. Um, and so, um, so yeah, this tendency to move towards the, the, the sense objects instead of the perceiver of the sense objects. Uh, this, uh, this habit... Um, is kind of all-consuming, and we could say that in, you know incorporated in in this habit is the, um, the 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 opposite. The whole dharma is pointing towards the opposite of that. The whole dharma is pointing to what do we get on the other side um, of that? You know, when we're when we're freeing ourselves from that habitual action of, of grasping mind, right? So this is one obstacle. Another obstacle is lack of spiritual confidence. Another huge obstacle, lack of spiritual confidence. You know, I kind of alluded to this in the, in the meditation, which is, you know, this point where the Buddha kind of sat down and said, hey, this is it for me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave this spot until I, I attain enlightenment. But if we, if we really knew, if we really knew that the opportunity was there for us in this moment to achieve liberation, we would put forth the maximum amount of energy for that to ripen. So if we really knew it, we see clearly that the path was set forth for us and that we could do it, we would put maximum effort into attaining even, even a small amount of happiness in that way. But instead... We see clearly, and as I, I was going to actually read that whole thing, that lack of spiritual confidence, we have no reference point for inner contentment, so we choose as sense objects over and over again. In fact, because worldly things are temporary, we find that, that the cycle comforting. It's that we have found even a little bit of, of contentment, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy in these worldly things, we've noticed this and so even though the temporary and <clears throat> and the <clears throat> often elude us excuse me at least they're a known 
And so we strive for that. It is very rare <clears throat> that we experience this type of peace uh, through our practice. For a lot of us, it's rare. Of course, the more that we experience that, that peace in our practice, the more that that is seen as reliable and the more we go to that. But it's so, it's so um, you know, tantalizing, this, this worldly experience, like this next thing, that we have this tendency over and over again to, to choose that. We have very little reference point. Because in reality, the contentment that we would get from realizing true nature of mind is, is completely outside of the scope of all that worldly wisdom. It has no... It has no reference point to that. Completely off the grid. You know, completely outside <clears throat> of the mind's imagination. Right? And and in a way we need to forget we have to forget the world for for that to ripen. Right? We have to forget and and to release all of that, all of the craving and, and the desire mind to have a, a glimpse of that and that's what we're doing very simply with non-grasping mind in in meditation but it's because of this this lack of spiritual confidence of really believing really knowing with not within uh without a shadow of a doubt like yeah i could it could happen by turning inward all within me like that like oh i definitely know i absolutely definitely know just like I know that the cookie is going to give me a little bit of pleasure. Like, I absolutely know it. It's going to come with a little bit of pleasure and a little bit of guilt because it's a big cookie. Like, the cookie I ate last night. I was like, wow, like, my, my, my fiance Katie, she got these cookies. But, man, they're big. So I was like, I'll have a cookie. And then I got the cookie, and I was, it was huge. I was like, wow, this is really like two cookies. Um but it gave me, I knew it was going to give me a, a little bit of a pleasure, right? And then when I saw how the how big it was, I was like, oh, it's going to give me a little bit of guilt. <laughs> but I'll take it, right? It, it, it's, it's a known. Like, okay, I know that. But do I really know, do I really know that my mind's true nature is absolute peace? Do I really believe that? Do I really know if I go and sit that I'm going to find peace? Even though all the saints and sages of all times and all religions have said it, <clears throat> and even people with tons of material, uh, um, um, uh, material um, possessions and, and fame and for, you know, fortune, all of that stuff, they say the same thing too. It's not out there. But do I really know it? So this becomes an obstacle. <clears throat> so the next one, the next obstacle. You can go ahead and put that up to Dawn. So the next obstacle, um, Don's putting it up here soon, but as samsara arises naturally, awareness is harder to see, even though awareness arises naturally as well. But samsara is consistent, 
but our mind's true nature is perceived only through conscious rem remembering. Being persistent in practice until mindful awareness arises on its own is an obstacle. Basically, this is saying we're lazy. <laughs> it's like uh, samsara is easy. It's easy to see samsara because we've habituated it into existence. So it is arising naturally. We cannot see that awareness is arising naturally as well, right? It takes some kind of effort. So, um, yeah, as we go through from the beginning, the beginning obstacles of really choosing between these sense, um, the, these sense experiences and the sense objects, or do we want to, to pay attention to, uh, awakened mind, um, awakened mind to remember to pay attention to awakened mind for now takes a little bit of effort. So it takes effort to become effortless. So this is an obstacle and it's all tied into that. That really, these are all tied into that, that pure intention, part of its belief. So once we believe that, that it's, it's not out there, you know, this contemplation of dukkha, once we really, really, really believe it's not out there, that has to be in here, then we're going to look for it more. The more that we look for it, the more that it appears. The more that it appears, the more reliable that it becomes. The more reliable that it comes, and the more that we do it, the more awareness, mindful awareness, happens on its own. So more that we come back all on our own, just like we come back to attachment on our own because of habit, the more we come back to just this awareness. But in the meantime, this is an obstacle, right? Because it's just so easy, you know, some, to, to go through samsara is so easy to wake up. It's not so easy um, to remember, at least. Okay. The, the next one? If Don, do you want to bring up the next one? Yes, yeah, so the next one... Um, we don't want to see the mind's true nature. <laughs> the experience can be off-putting. It is outside of the norm. To see things as dreamlike is difficult. We like samsara. <laughs> we really do. We really like the ups and downs. We're attached to the up and down. Um, but in a very real way, sometimes, like I talked about, where the true experience of, of, of the nature of mind when we really get down to it, sometimes, and I remember talking to Venerable Intention Chogi, and she has witnessed this in students, that when they have their biggest epiphany, they will, at least for a time being, turn the other way. Uh, many times they will turn the back on their back on Dharma because it was kind of too far out of, of the realm of um, of comfort and we want a samsaric enlightenment you know we want enlightenment to fit into a samsaric reality right and and, and this is our only known we only know of what what success what happiness what contentment all of these things we only know how it looks within a samsaric framework right outside of it we're not really we're not familiar so if we have um, this 
kind of new reality present itself completely outside of the context um, of, of our present reality, it can be off-putting. Uh, we might not, uh, might not want to return to that, even though in its essence it's very peaceful, it can be very, very different as well. So Shannon wrote in, is enlightenment sudden or can it be gradual? Um, I remember Toygun Chumpa once said that no enlightenment is sudden. Like, it's always gradual. Um, of course, he was an omniscient being, you know, and so um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not omniscient to know enough about whether it can be enlightened, uh, you know, can it be sudden or gradual. We've heard stories of both. I will say that. But it's probably never sudden. <laughs> There's probably a long time uh, lots of causes and conditions that were set up before that that sudden something um, is probably never truly, truly sudden. Um, it's probably all very gradual. So this next obstacle, um, speaking of data points, this is a one that I that I kind of, I kind of fear the most. <laughs> um, with more data coming in all the time, the deeper our true nature is hidden from us. There's an increase in outer connection and a decrease in inner connection. Uh, so we all know this is happening. There's more data coming in. And I don't think we're anywhere near really integrating what has happened in the last 10 years into daily life. So <clears throat> as technology, as, as technology uh, continues to, um, to increase, uh, we are becoming busier and busier, obviously. And, and the technology of the past, like maybe 40, 50 years was kind of making life easier with you know microwave ovens and stuff like this toasters and all that like these everyday life things easier but but now we're into information making information uh, and data easier to uh, move from person to person and this is much different and, and, I, and I feel like back, let's say, the 30s, 40s, 50s, and, you know, this industrial age, in making life easier has actually made us, of course, you know, just move faster. When, when things became faster and life became faster, uh, more was expected of you. So at some point, I'm sure, you know, like dinner was, was expected to take an hour, but now dinner prep, you know, can be expected to take five minutes, 10 minutes sometimes to, to prepare a, a meal, right? So life is, life is moving faster. And at some point, 
how many things that you can get done in a day, it just increased, right? So if you used to run, if you lived in a rural environment, you know, making a trip to the to town and bringing back the goods and, and unpacking them and whatnot might be a full day, you know. But now we are um, expected to to do so much more in, in one given day. But now with information, we are expected to take in and process so much data. And, and I think in, in some ways it's, it's for fun. Like we have, right now, we actually have an opportunity to choose how much data we wish to, to process. How much do we want to be on the phone or on, on our phones, on social media, on our computers, and all of these things? But I don't think we're anywhere near the infrastructure of life to make that almost mandatory. The, the amount of communications people are having now, we've, of course, we've never seen anything like it. The youth of today are becoming accustomed to having maybe hundreds of communications an hour, and they don't think anything of it. You know, I was talking to Katie, my fiance, and she was talking about she was talking talking to me about her day, and she's a recruiter, an internal recruiter for an engineering firm. And during the recruiting season, she will get. 8,000 applications from 6,000 applicants. And she can, and sometimes she does, review 200 applications a day. That's just amazing. Now she, her mind, like all of our minds, she's part of a network. And we have technology. We have technology that's going to hold all that data. We have CRMs, you know, content or customer um, relation management systems. We have project management systems. So the software that she's using is holding all of that data. But it's, and it's organizing that data. But at some point, she's part of that network. Like we're part of the network. We're part of the network. If you have so many followers and, and this and that in your social media, you're part of that network. Right, all of that information, we're part of that. Our brains are part of that. Go all that data going through everything, right? We're all part of that. And so every little every little piece of data influences our minds. I remember I saw this on two occasions. I was meditating in nature and I had a soft gaze, and in my field of vision was a tree. And a small finch, a small finch landed on a, on a small branch on a small tree. And, and when it landed on that small branch, that small branch influenced uh, a larger branch. And that larger branch influenced the whole tree. And the whole tree, you know, moved a little bit. The whole tree moved a little bit, right? If 
from that the landing of that that small bird and i was meditating and once and i saw a bee land on a flower petal so the the bee landed on the flower petal <clears throat> and i saw the flower petal you know just bend and then the whole flower you know kind of pushed down and the weight of that flower you know moved the branch and moved the bush slightly the the bush kind of gave in because the weight of the flower and the petal you know it's just something small influenced something greater and in meditation when we notice there doesn't really have to be meditation anytime we notice the power of a single thought we could under we could see this easier of course in when we're meditating like a single thought landing in the mind causes an extreme ripple of effect in the mind right this is a single thought like if you could think remember back like when you're meditating and it's a rare moment of peace <laughs> of practice you know the mind is clear and maybe if you experience almost a shock of another of a thought almost like you know wow this this thought comes in and just you know can maybe shatter in a way to be maybe you know more extreme about it but really really noticing wow just that one thought and how it breaks the silence you know the stillness is broken and it feels like that thought you know echo throughout the entire universe kind of a thing you know so this obstacle here of data it's a big problem because of you know all the clouding of the true nature of mind like the more data we have coming in and the more processing not only is it really clouding our ability to see the mind in stillness but it's adding to our tendency to live in that world and even view the dharma like this you know we don't go to first grade to second grade in the dharma by listening to dharma talks you know you don't go to second grade third grade by going on re- by um you do by going on retreat <laughs> i was going to say by you know just by more information and that that's how we think everything is you know the more information the more that it looks like a worldly a success you know in that pattern right that's not how the dharma works the dharma works by tasting it right the antidote to all these obstacles is tasting the dharma experientially tasting it this is this is the antidote so not only is the data clouding our ability to see clearly it is also pulling us in deeper into that that way of seeing right that that way of seeing becomes more and more entrenched and it's not to say that we can't experience all that data 
free of a, free of it pulling us in. You know, very important. Just like our life now, you know, whatever's happening now, we could be awake and at ease and not pulled into that as we move through life as it is. And I think the last one that I had on, on the list, which you could put up there, Don, is, um, is kind of yeah, what I was just alluding to, familiarity with growth coming from the outside. So the, the last obstacle that I have is this, that we only see progression um, in a certain way, happening in a certain way, usually through addition. We usually don't see any kind of success happening through subtraction. And so this is an obstacle. So I'm going to leave ample time uh, for us to get into groups because I know this is a short list of obstacles. And again, this is obstacles um, of experiencing silent wisdom, you know, the true wisdom, uh, you know, many, many teachers have said this, but I just read again, Lama Yashi was talking about the best Dharma talk ever would be the silent one, <laughs> would be with no words, right? So how do we extract this silent wisdom? And what, what are the obstacles that stand in the way of us extracting this silent wisdom within within ourselves. So that'll be the the topic of the small groups. Um, so I'll put us in there now, and we'll have of uh, ample time to to chat. So welcome back. Um, yeah, we have ten minutes. Um, if anyone would like to share, kind of what came up for them. Um, any additional obstacles or anything that came up for you guys? I don't have any additional obstacles. I just wanted to say it. it was just so joyful being in small groups and talking with people and sharing our obstacles. And then they just, they, it was, it was just so beautiful. I haven't done that in a while. And I want to thank, I want to thank the larger Sangha, but this is, it was, it was really amazing. Wonderful. Thank you. I got to jump in on a small group too, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so thanks. Uh, nice to see everyone. Thanks for your talk as always, Casey. Um, Thank you. For me, the, the, the part of your talk that sort of gave me the most pause or perhaps is the most challenging or the thing that, you know, was, you know, when you sort of dared us <laughs> and the, and the intentions is, is this the time you're going to sit? Is this the, is this the sit where you're actually going to wake up and kind of, if you're not sitting with that intention, are you really doing it right? Or are you, are you wasting the opportunity? And it just got me to reflect, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And uh, so I've experienced all of the, all of the obstacles you've talked about. You know, and, you know, when I first started suffering less was good enough, but, you know, it's now sort of, you know, this, this broader intention of truly awakening and trying to see through and get to the real sense of what it is, is, you know, which seemed crazy to me, you know, insane, like 
unreachable a while ago. It actually seems live, but you know, uh, I've never actually sat thinking, all right, this is the time I'm gonna wake up. <laughs> and, you know, never quite, you know, so, so anyway, so that, that's the way this sort of, this sort of, it was a smack upside the head this morning for me. So it was just interesting. And, you know, so I don't know that I'm ready to say, I'm not going to get up until I wake up. Cause I'm, you know, I don't know that that's going to work for me, but, but, but perhaps opening the door to the possibility that maybe this is a set where I could awaken a little bit for a moment or just, you know, a little, just a little, you know, slightly open, prying that door open just a little bit. So, so thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. You know, I love the, I love the, the idea they say, but our teachers are just, you know, our teachers see us as, as Buddhas and they're holding that image for us until we wake up to that ourselves. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe let's just dedicate uh, the merit as we finish here. And speaking of obstacles today, just setting that really pure intention that through our practice and the merit that we accumulate personally and collectively can shatter all delusions, our personal delusions that separate us from seeing our true nature of peace and bliss. That's right here in this moment and in the minds of all beings everywhere without exception. May they all be happy. May they all be free from suffering. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.